Is it recording now? One must not get one's knickers in a twist. I'm trying. These are the stories your granny never told. Clint Eastwood loved my apple pie. I was raising a cow and 50 sheep and two sheep. I slipped upon some spilled onions on the road and crashed my motorbike. It's Nikki, your host for the Stories Your Granny Never Told podcast. It's a monthly podcast where I interview the wiser generation about the unexpected stories from their youth. So this is once again a remote episode. I'm coming at you a little bit late this month because I had originally aimed to do a Black Lives Matter oriented episode, but we had a few technical difficulties and that episode got pushed to next month. And the episode for next month is now. So I did a little switcheroo. This episode is still really exciting. I interviewed Anne Oliverio, who is a 78-year-old great-grandma and businesswoman. Her granddaughter-in-law nominated her, so thank you, Manuela, for that. Um, This is overall a really nice, positive, and lighthearted episode, which I think is a nice little distraction these days. So without any further ado, here's Anne Oliverio. So uh, please just introduce yourself. Okay, my name is Anne Oliverio. Can I ask you your age, even though yes, it's a little I'm rude? 78 years old. Why don't you start from the beginning where you're from and how your life was when you were younger? Okay. I uh, was born in a small town in Texas, in East Texas. Uh, my parents were 18 years old when I was born, and they were wonderful people. They grew up together. Uh, we probably all grew up together, actually. Uh, but my mom and dad were just incredible people. They got along very, very well. I don't recall ever having my parents argue. Uh, they were 17 when they got married, 18 when I was born. Uh, and they were married 62 years when my dad passed away. And my mom is still living at 96 years old. And, uh, she's actually in a retirement home, but she does quite well. Um, so we grew up, I grew up on a farm. Uh, in East Texas. I have two younger brothers. Uh, One is five years younger than me and one is 10 years younger than me. Mm -hmm. They're both still living. Uh, My dad raised uh, cotton and uh, we were made to pick cotton when we were little and I hated it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't sound like the funnest child pastime. (laughs) But um, it was a very loving home and uh, we had our chores. It was a great childhood. It was a little town and I think you felt responsible to everyone in the town. Mm -hmm. Um, If you did anything wrong, you knew that before you got home, your dad was going to know about it. And so did the rest of the town, right? (laughs) Exactly. And that was without telephones, without computers, and without the internet. Just word to mouth and uh, whispers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, I also grew up in a small town, so I I know exactly how that works. (laughs) It's, it's, It's a great way you feel like everybody cares about you yeah you have a community for sure you do um i left there when i graduated from high school at age 17 Mm -hmm. i went to houston to live with my grandparents and i worked full-time and went to college at night and um what were you working as uh, I was working in an office of for Folger Coffee Company just as an office assistant and then I went to the University of Houston at night. So I did that for a couple of years and then I got married and 
to a childhood sweetheart. Aww. And then we lived on the campus of Texas A&M University because that's where he was in college. And of course, I gave up the rest of my college life at that time and worked at, on the campus to put him through college. And we had two children during the process. <laughs> so that was, uh, you know, wasn't exactly planned, but we did have a son and then a daughter. And then he graduated uh, from Texas A&M and we moved to Houston and lived there. And I stayed home for the first year and a half with the children. And then I actually went back to work. Um, then we moved to the island of St. Croix in the Virgin Islands. He got a oh, job wow. company there. So that was a big change for us coming from small town. Yeah, landlocked Texas to an island. <laughs> it was. And so we were there three and a half years. It was a great place to live because it was the weather was warm and the kids could be outside all the time. Did you get some kind of culture shock when you were there? Um, you know, yes, because, uh, but having come from a small town, it, I don't think it was as bad for me as maybe some of the other people. Uh, we were very well taken care of through a co the company we worked with. They mm -hmm. provided housing, found housing for us. And That's we nice. met a lot of people from all over the world that had come there. So it was actually a wonderful experience. Um, and after being there a couple of years, the minister of my church asked me if I would help with the kindergarten program that they were doing. And it was basically like a head start program. These were children coming from other islands who spoke um, French and Spanish, but the public school was going to be in English. Mm -hmm. So the purpose was to have these three and four year olds learn English. Okay. And um, so I said, sure. And so he had a Volkswagen bus that he would go pick kids up. I had a Volkswagen car that I would pick kids up in. Nice. Nobody had to have seat belts or any of that stuff. <laughs> we would just pile them in and bring them in and uh, have class for these 20, 25 children every day. Uh, so with that, I learned that I enjoyed being with children and working with children. So mm. after three and a half years, we moved back to Houston and uh Oh, this is following the company? Uh, no, we actually left that company and my husband got a job with another company okay. in Houston. We were, we were just ready to leave the island. Yeah, I can imagine living on an island. Once you've been around it, you're like, okay. Well, and good. the main thing was uh, the children were now going into first grade and second grade. Right. And we were concerned that they were not getting the education that they would need. And that was mm -hmm. the main reason for leaving. Um, so it was, it was, it was good. Uh, and at that time I decided I would go see if I could substitute teach in the public schools, uh, because, so I could be home with my children. I didn't have a degree at that time, but they let me do it anyway. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Used to be a little bit easier to do stuff like that. Exactly. So with the substitute teaching, I realized that primarily these teachers were out uh, because their babysitters were not available. At that time, we're talking about 1969, uh, there were no large daycare centers. So okay. we decided, well, maybe we should have a daycare center. So it just wasn't a thing because women were expected to stay at home for the most part? Yes, okay. they, they, there just was not public daycare. Yeah, I guess that becomes a conflict when most of the teachers are women and then how do you fix that? <laughs> yeah, right. 
So with the money we'd saved from St. Croix, we bought a building and converted it to the state standards and opened the first daycare center. Oh, what was it called? Creative Care Children's Schools. And 50 years later, it's still in business and my two children run them. <laughs> wow, that's great. How did, um, how did people, what did they say when you first opened it up? Were they really thankful? No, very thankful to have a place that they felt their children could be left and be taught at the same time because we did develop a very strong preschool program uh, for teaching the children. Um, no, they were really happy. Um, and yeah. uh, some of the clients actually became really good friends. Uh, you I can know, imagine. Uh, through the years. So uh, my, my sister-in-law and I actually started it together. And the beauty of it was, is my kids could come there after school. And I knew yeah. before. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they made a lot of friends there too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, that, was, that was the first venture. And then um, after, um, I guess, let me think now from, that was 1970. We opened the first one in 1970. So like I said, 50 years ago uh, this year, uh, then in 1981, um, right before you get to that, I just, I have yeah. this image in my mind. That's probably wrong, but <laughs> I, in my head, I know 1969 is like the hippie times where people in Texas also wearing flowy dresses and headbands, or yeah. is that just yeah. in movies? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I will tell you one of the first children we got, uh, was a little girl who, her mother was not in the picture. The dad had custody of this little girl. She was four years old. Mm -hmm. Her name was Cactus Flower. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's Actually, you'd think that was a name from today because people are starting to get back into these crazy names. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that one you won't forget. No, uh, <laughs> yes, you'll remember her. <laughs> but uh, yes, there was definitely a lot of that. I missed a lot of the hippie uh, movement because I was living in St. Croix. Yeah, I'm sure it didn't get over to the islands. It didn't. So that I was there from 66 to 69. And mm. basically, really, and I mean, we had uh, one channel on a TV, and it only operated from 3 p.m. to 8 p.m. So we didn't have a lot of TV and a lot, yeah. not a lot of news. Was it black and white? It was black and white. Okay. And no telephones. <laughs> I didn't want to misjudge the age and be like, no, it's totally color. <laughs> and no, no telephones. Uh, to call my parents, I had to go to a pay phone. Uh, so what did you and your family do for entertainment? Well, the beach was right. amazing and snorkeling and scuba diving. And it was, you know, the beaches were just incredible. Yeah, you don't need TV when yeah, you have the beach. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and like I said, we were able to meet lots of wonderful people. So we had a lot of interaction with other people. We'd do dinner parties. We had the kids play together. Um, it was easy to get help, uh, $4 a day for somebody to come and stay all day long with your kids. And mm. so I could go do things with the other ladies. And, you know, it was, it was, it was a very nice time uh from that uh, viewpoint sounds nice i want to go live on an island right now yeah. i think that'd be that'd be pretty good but uh i interrupted you you said in the 80s okay yes in 1981 my brother 
needed some help. He had experience in working for a pipeline supply business. So I told him I would help him start a pipeline supply business. You're just starting businesses all over the place. <laughs> wonderful people doing the daycare. So in the same building, I, we started this pipeline supply, supply business and it was called Ansco Pipe Bells and Fittings. And it was really a, a great little company. I did all the things I told him I would never do. And that was, I told him I would not do sales calls and I would not do this. I would not do that, but I ended up having to do all of it. <laughs> uh, but it was a need he had. His wife was ill. And this is the one that helped me start at the schools. Okay. And so he needed extra income to help pay for medical bills. Mm -hmm. And that was really the purpose of doing it. But it was just a real successful little company. And I ended up selling that in 1986. Uh, and the reason for selling, uh, what happened was in 1984, my husband, that we'd been married 24 years, the father of my two children, uh, decided he wanted a divorce. So, oh, no. you know, it's hard to, it's hard to be um, running companies. He was running a company. I was running a company. We were trying to raise children. I, I think there's, a, there's just way too much pressure. We're trying to do too much. Uh, yeah, there's a lot going on. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, you know, men have huge egos and, and my business was a little more successful than his. And that was hard. You know, yeah. just, I, I look back and I realized that and I didn't see it at the time. But anyway, um, I, I was not happy uh, about a divorce. I didn't come from families that divorced. And oh, I see. Uh, it was it, it was a difficult time. But um, was that something that was uh, not so common at the time? Uh, no, Okay. it was not. It was not. Because in the end, if you know, if you're unhappy, it's probably for the best. But I, I can understand if, if, uh, yeah, if people don't do it as often back then, then it would. I will tell you, in my case, it was definitely for the best. Yeah, <laughs> good. I that at the time. Right. <laughs> but I, you know, persevered and I was working. I had my kids and I, by now my son has a two-year-old. And uh, I, I thought, you know what, I'll just enjoy my kids and keep working. Yeah. So I took my children to Colorado to ski and it was after about I think it was 18 months we'd been separated mm. and I wasn't sure what was going to happen um but um uh, I my my kids we went to Colorado and my daughter sees this man at the bus stop and decides I should meet him and uh turns out he was an amazing human being and we got married two years later and no way. we were married 23 years when he um, <laughs> died uh, no. 10 years ago. So that was an emotional roller coaster. Yeah, we, we, but it was, we had a wonderful life together. So therefore I sold the business uh, back to the divorce in 1985. Uh, my ex-husband ended up with the children's daycare centers. So, which is a blessing because I would have sold them and he kept them. And like I said, today, our two children run them. Right. And, you know, so life is interesting. You look back and you, at the time, you don't think it's the right thing, but it, it can be the right thing. And uh, I had an amazing 23 years with, with my husband that I married. Uh, and he is the one that Oliverio and that I still use his name. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, he had, he, his wife had died at age 40 from breast cancer. 
and uh, two years before she died, he lost a daughter that was 12 years old. Wow. Uh, so he had been through a lot, a lot of, of heartache. Issues. And he had one daughter that was 17 at the time. And to this day, she's my daughter now. Uh, so I am still very much in touch with her because I'm really the only family she has. Yeah. Uh, so great. it was a beautiful uh, we, we were together two years before we married and then we were married 23 years. So basically we were together 25 years. Uh, and he died in uh, 2009. I'm so sorry. So, uh, but life goes on. And of course, when I married him after I sold the company and everything, I, I still had some business interests. I had to go back and forth to Houston a lot uh, for about five years. But then I learned to play golf and mm -hmm. I met a lot of new friends and through that so I, I, I've had a lot of things in my life <laughs> yeah I mean you seem like a, a very very perseverant businesswoman when you started this pipe company uh, did you know things about it or you just kind of went only on the business side no my brother knew about it uh, and he did the best he could to teach me and there was no internet there was right no computers to learn things. Uh, so we just used books and did the best we could. So and did you have to like go to a library and find plumbing books? Yeah, <laughs> pipe. Uh, what is pipe? <laughs> what is the pipe? <laughs> and then valves and fittings. But what happened was um, another brother was in Louisiana. He had a, 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 well, he was in an offshore drilling rig accident. And so he was in a hospital in Louisiana. So as we were driving, the one brother that knew this business and I, to see the other brother, uh, we stopped by a pipe coating company that my brother knew about. He just wanted to say hello to the people. Well, they were having a, it was at Christmas time and they were having a, um, a crawfish boil party. <laughs> so in talking with them, uh, they, we realized there was this product that the pipe uh, the, the, that this business needed. And there was a, a patent agreement that only allowed for one in the United States, but this patent agreement was getting ready to be lifted. And there was another company in Canada that made the same type product. So I got all that information from this place where we stopped to get the crawfish. <laughs> and, um, and I saw so I called and made an appointment and flew up to Canada. Well, at that time in, uh, in 1980, uh, women in Canada didn't really work, you know, they, if they were, they were in an office and, uh, so they weren't. Was it different there. in Canada than in the States? Uh, I think they were a little bit behind us with women. Really? Mm -hmm. I didn't know that. And, uh, so especially with women, uh, to run a company. And so the reason I had to go there was to see if I could buy this distributorship to get this product in the United States. Well, they were so eager to get the product in the United States, they didn't care who you were. Uh, <laughs> if you would buy the product and stock it and try to sell it, they were just trying to get their foot in the door too. Uh, so it was a win-win for both of us. Uh, and I was able to get that product. Uh, and um, that was the main product that we had with that company. So it was a good, it was a really good thing for us. And, and for this company, you are uh, running, running it or managing it, uh, right? 
Yes. So doing all the sales, everything. (laughs) So when you were doing this or maybe differently than with the daycare, did you get any flack from, I mean, I can imagine if a man is coming to you about a plumbing company, he would probably assume that you don't know anything about it. Well, now it's a, it's a pipeline. It's, I'm sorry. Yeah. Pipeline, not plumbing. It's it's the gas and the oil that goes through a pipeline. I just had pipes in my head and I just Uh said plumbing. Uh, So no, actually, I it was I went out on the jobs where we supplied the products to mm-hmm. Wyoming, Colorado, Albuquerque, uh, to check to make sure the product was being used properly. And so I'd wear my jeans and boots, and and the men were men working out there. But I I will tell you, I I my theory was if you act like a lady, the men are going to treat you like a lady. And I didn't have any problem with sexual harassment or any problem like. I just did not have a problem with it. Uh, it just didn't exist. Uh, but maybe because I was the owner of the company, maybe there was respect there for that. I don't know. Good. But yeah. I would go out on those jobs uh, and never encountered a problem. Um, so it, it was an interesting uh time uh but literally i mean if we had an order that had to be filled i might be working in the warehouse at eight nine o'clock at night helping fill the order i mean you did Mm -hmm. everything but my brother still kept his full-time job but he would come by in the afternoons uh after he got off work and he would be there to help with uh the orders in the evenings too so Mm. Uh, I, I couldn't have done it without him. But at the time, the reason the reason we really did this, uh, Jimmy Carter was running for re-election for president, and he was touting that he would require these companies to do 10% of their business with minority-owned companies. Oh, okay. So we thought, well, we might as well be there. Well, he didn't get re-elected. <laughs> you know? and, but a lot of the companies kept that rules so a lot of the large companies exxon shell and many of those did try to do 10 percent of their business with minority owned businesses so we were there to be the minority for them Hmm. it it was our goal and and that did help it definitely helped um you know with us getting orders so you um supplied parts for pipelines has the mentality around that changed uh in terms of ecological terms from then to now I, I don't know if you're still in that was that um being protested at the time or brought up or were you not even it, it, it was definitely uh, a factor even in in the early 80s that, mm. that yes uh you, you you know there you couldn't put a pipeline through certain areas because of environmental issues or Indian reservations or whatever. Yes, they, they, they there were problems then, but probably not to the extent that maybe it is today. Uh, yeah, I wanted to ask because I know there have been a lot of uh, protests and things like that recently. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I guess I then, you know, I, I did that from 80 to 85 and then sold sold the, sold that business. Mm-hmm. And uh, so then my... I was married to my husband and we moved to Colorado and lived in Colorado and then from Colorado to Atlanta and um, then from Atlanta to Austin, Texas. So back in Texas in the end. Yeah. 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 So, so is that your favorite place to live? Uh, you know, I liked everywhere I was at the time, actually I, I did, but uh, getting back to Texas was, was 
great because at the time both my parents were living and mm. I was able to spend more time with them and 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 my children to be able to spend time with them so that was, yeah. that was a factor with coming back it's nice to be near the family for sure yeah, yeah. so and then uh you know I like I said I I, I stay really busy I, as a matter of fact I seemed to always have a project of some <laughs> sort or the other uh, but after my husband died in uh, 2009, I sold the home that we were living in a couple of years later uh, and stayed in Austin. And uh, then in, in 2012, friends introduced me to uh, a man uh, that played golf and thought that we would enjoy each other. And so we are still together uh, hey. uh, and we, we did get married, but I didn't change my name because it was just too much trouble. I'm too old to go through all that. <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but we do play golf together. We played today and uh, we have a, a, have a wonderful life together. Um, we uh, are almost three years ago now, we moved to the Dallas area mm -hmm. and this is where we're living now uh, because I have a daughter that is, my daughter is here. And I thought it would be nice to be able to be closer to some family as we were both getting a little older. And it's been great. We, we've enjoyed meeting new people here in the Dallas area and, um, and being close to the daughter and her family here. The Dallas area is actually the only part of Texas that I've been to before. So I know a little bit about it. Okay, yeah. But I, I was actually uh, sort of disappointed when I went to Texas because I wanted to see cowboys everywhere and like westerns, but it, it's just a normal place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Do you have any specific stories that come to mind? Well, I will have to think about that. My husband now, we've done a lot of traveling. Mm -hmm. So we've been very, very blessed to be able to go to many countries and see a lot of the world and that that's been a super wonderful thing that we've been able to to do so what are some of the places that you've been to well uh we've been to russia we uh went to saint petersburg and moscow and some smaller places and uh we just this last year we went to croatia oh i love croatia and it was beautiful just we really enjoyed that and we've been to china and um just had a, a wonderful trip into Beijing, Shanghai, and uh, some of the other towns in China to see the Forbidden Soldiers. Oh. Many, many different areas there, the Great Wall, and um, we've been to Australia and New Zealand. Pick all of the really far places. <laughs> you know, we, we decide we have to do it while we, while we can. Yeah, maybe start far and then get closer and closer yeah, as it goes yeah. on. That's a good idea. And uh, this last year, we, we, we actually went to Paris. My husband's, we, we went out to Normandy and spent some time out there. And that was, that was. Did you manage to get some good weather while you were there? Because it's rare. Yeah, it rained. It rained. It was kind of cold, but <laughs> it, it, it was, it was pretty windy and cold actually, yeah. but we, we went prepared. So okay. We were fine. Yeah. There's no and, such thing as bad weather, just bad clothing, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You know, I, I, I guess I have seen a lot of changes. When I tell my grandchildren, and now I have great-grandchildren, I have four great-grandchildren, uh, that I didn't have a computer growing up or even mm -hmm. a phone. I, the home that I lived in, we didn't even have a telephone. I'm, I'm talking, we didn't even have a wall phone. <laughs> Certainly not Because it was in the countryside, so it just wasn't... Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. wasn't available. It wasn't common. And, 
and then in the businesses I ran, I, I can recall I needed to have access to a cell phone really bad with the pipeline supply business. And when I checked, uh, the cheapest cell phone was going to run about $3,500 a month. And it had what? a very, very small uh, range of service. Was it one of those big clunky ones? It was in the car. It was oh. basically in the car. Yeah, it was a car phone. Uh, but and I couldn't justify thirty five hundred dollars a month for the range of of where it would allow. What do you mean by range? Like you could only call a, a certain area of Houston is all is all, oh is all that you could call in. Oh, just, just it would tell you how far out that that cell phone would be good for. Huh? I I didn't even know that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it 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 wasn't worth you know. Uh, the call. So you had to stop at a cell phone and call back to your office to give them an order or to tell them, you know, this at, at like um, a pay phone. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's what we'd have to do. Uh, and and then literally uh, you didn't even have a fax machine to fax in an <laughs> order. You had to dictate it and write it down and hope you didn't. Like with the typewriter mm -hmm. in the beginning when you said you were a, a secretary, right? Did you, were you on the typewriter? Like, uh... yeah, yeah. oh yeah, the kind that you had to throw back, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, even the electric typewriters didn't come along till much later. <laughs> it's, it sounds really picturesque in my head, but I'm sure you just like clack, 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 clack. <laughs> well, you know, you, you get pretty fast with it. You just keep, you know, it's, it's pretty interesting how, uh, but then you, you didn't have copy machines, so you had to make carbon copies. Yeah. You know? And then if you make a mistake, you have to start over. Well, you have to erase all the carbon copies, you know, the, the original, you didn't have the whiteout. <laughs> How do you erase it? You had a typewriter eraser. Oh, okay. It, was, it wasn't real pretty. I'm learning so much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was, there was no whiteout. <laughs> okay. At that time. So, uh, I, I, you know, I, I sometimes think, oh my gosh, what could I have done if I could have had my cell phone and my fax machine, my uh, printer and computer, you know, how much more could I have done? <laughs> <laughs> Always looking to get more done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's business. A little bit more. Uh, but, you know, I, it, it's interesting. I, I, like I said, I'm very close to my kids. And, uh, and then last year, I, I have a nephew that works in Italy, my brother's son. His mom passed away. And she's the one that actually started the daycare centers with me. Okay. Uh, and uh, he got audited by IRS for five years. Uh, and he, being in Italy, seven hour difference uh, time frame, he, he just couldn't, couldn't deal with it, you know, because he, he was there and this was here. So I told him, I said, well, let me just have everything, I'll take it. So I literally spent a year <laughs> with IRS for him last year. Oh. And, uh, but it was, it was good. I, he could not have done it. Um, and we yeah. went from him owing $66,000 to him owing $9,000 and he got it paid and settled and done. So uh, you're just always like hustling. <laughs> <laughs> so that took my, my year last year, basically. You really have a knack for business. Did you, did you always want to do that? You said yeah. you went to university. What was that for? I only went, I went, I, I took typing shorthand and accounting at night okay. uh, so and then my husband my children's father his degree from texas a&m was uh in accounting um so he actually taught me a lot and i did all the books for the daycare center and and like that uh but 
you know, what, what he taught me was probably more valuable than what I had learned in school. Uh, yeah. Experience. Right. Yeah. And then just doing it. Uh, so, um, yeah, I guess, I guess, you know, just the fact that I enjoyed uh, math and whatever, it, uh, it comes easy for me. Um, so I still do all of our bills and everything. <laughs> <laughs> um, Everyone's lucky to have you. <laughs> well, I, um, it's just, I, I, I just feel blessed. I'm very healthy. So I'm very, very thankful for that. Uh, have been healthy my whole life. You know, I just feel like you have to give back uh, when you ha- yeah. have that ability. You're very positive about all this. It, it's a great way of thinking. I'm, I'm in a great mood now. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> I, I'm very thankful. And I think it's, I think it's important that we realize that we are thankful and, and, to try to stay positive. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, some questions that I usually ask everyone, what yeah. advice would you give to people from my generation? You know, can give um, us some wisdom. I think you guys worry too much about <laughs> a lot of things. Probably. Uh, I, I think I see this with my grandchildren, my grown grandchildren raising their children, they think they, they need to entertain the children all the time. They, they, the children need to have an activity constantly. Uh, and instead of just sending them out in the backyard, letting them play, learn, eat some dirt, play on their own. <laughs> um, I, I, I see that, uh, and this is true of both of my grandchildren who have children, uh, they, they're always entertaining them. Uh, and uh, they're not firm with them <laughs> to the fact that uh, my, my granddaughter right now is experiencing the fact that her almost three-year-old is getting up during the night and coming in their room. And I said, well, you know, that all you have to do is talk very sternly and say, you're not allowed to do that and don't allow mm-hmm. him to do that. Um, they don't do that. She said, well, we just can't do that. We can't be that firm with him. And I said, well, then he's going to come to your room at night. Yeah. You know what? He's running the show. You're not running the show. <laughs> <you know? laughs> the kids are the stars. Yeah. So I, I, I see that I think they need to be a little more parents instead of friends and trying to entertain them. Uh, that would be one thing I would say. And then I just, um, career-wise, uh, because my children are working, but my grandchildren are the ones more that been able to keep jobs during all this pandemic time working from home, which I think is just amazing. I think a lot of things will change. Another thing that you couldn't do back in the day very easily. You couldn't because you didn't have this ability right here. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, you didn't have zoom and FaceTime and whatever you you couldn't have done it. Um, so I- I'm very thankful that you're technologically minded, by the way. This was very easy. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I, I, I feel lucky to be able to try to keep up. I, and I, like I said, I call these grandkids and if I have a question or problem <laughs> and they help me through. Uh, but it's just so much. I mean, there's, you can just, there's just so much you can do, you know, uh, yeah. now from home and, and like, you know, I, I take care of all my mom's bills and it's not that many, but you know, I do it all online and how lucky are we that we can do these things? Yeah. Uh, so it it is a new world. Now I will say, I think that a lot of the kids are too connected though and they need to leave the cell phones at home and it is sometimes a little bit of an addiction. 
for sure. Yeah, yeah. Too much texting and not enough talking and interaction <laughs> in many situations. I, I see that with with some of them. Uh, I do have my youngest granddaughter, is, uh, but she's she's really good about trying to not be on there so much. Uh, so maybe there's going to be a swing back. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I, I also personally like try to put my phone down when I'm trying to have a conversation with people because yeah. it's so easy to get distracted. Yeah. Flashing lights, colors. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> but um, that's another part of like why I'm doing this. It's it's nice to just hear people's stories and, and kind of just know what other people's lives are like and how it was back in the day and things were kind of pretty different, although yeah. some things stay the same. It's yeah. 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 Well and I kinda it's interesting. My mom always had a garden and we always had fresh vegetables and fruits. And I see that my grandchildren are now wanting to have a garden and have fresh vegetables and so it's it's kinda um reverting back to some of the same things. Uh but Yeah, it's true. My parents also uh have a little garden and can kind of like make most of their meals in the spring and the summer and yeah. I'm, I'm pretty jealous. I live in the city, so I'm, okay. I have one basil plant dying on my windowsill. <laughs> and where are you (laughs) i'm in new york okay yeah okay so your overall advice would be stop worrying so much um yeah and and you know just work hard and don't be so afraid don't be so afraid to step out there and try something uh if i had known what i learned in probably both of the businesses that i did i would never have done them i would have been too afraid but I didn't know. And I just jumped in there and did it. Just be naive and do it. (laughs) Yeah. You know, just, you know, think through it and know that you have the resources to allow yourself to do it, but don't be afraid to, to try something new. Uh, And I, and I think about this, the pandemic situation, how many great businesses have popped up as a result of this, I mean, a lot of businesses have certainly been hurt, but there's a lot of businesses that have popped up, like sign companies. I'm sure they're doing great because you see all these new signs that uh, we're open for takeout or we're open for uh, online only. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know? Yeah, just look at Zoom. No one heard of Zoom a year ago. Yeah, and the Zoom people. And, um, you know, I, I, I think there's opportunities every day. Uh, it's funny you you seem you're constantly like <laughs> always has a business opportunity up your sleeve ready to go <laughs> well I keep I keep thinking uh am I too old or could I do something else <laughs> you know why not if you're still feeling good why not yeah. so um, my daughter said uh no mom you can come to work for me at the daycare again <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've done that. that's okay <laughs> you know I just I feel very blessed that I had the ability to step out and and do the things I did and they were successful but you know uh, success is hard work too <laughs> you you don't you don't just say oh I I think I'll start this business and uh it's just a lot of hard work you you have to be willing to do anything you have to be yeah it's not going to fall in your lap exactly you have to be willing to sweep the floors clean the toilets whatever it takes uh to get it going that's a good tip that's a good business tip actually <laughs> yeah yeah just you, you can never be too good to do whatever it is needed to, to be done stay humble 
Uh-huh. Exactly. Yep. It's true. <laughs> and so now for pastimes you you golf, right? We do. We we play uh golf and we both are involved in our churches and um hadn't been able to go lately because they've been closed. <laughs> but uh and then like I said, by the time uh, my husband has three the three daughters and seven grandchildren mm-hmm. and I have the three uh children and six grandchildren. And now four great grandchildren. It's like, and my mom's still living. So there's just always somebody that needs you to do something. Enough family to keep busy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, there's That's always good. a lot. Well, yeah. Thanks for all the stories. I, I was very positive. Well, thank you. You're darling. And I wish you good luck with all of this. All right. How sweet was that? Anna's the best. She's so positive so motivated it's quite inspiring i hope you like that and if you did please leave a review on itunes it really helps get me up in the charts and get other people to see the podcast obviously please share it to your friends and so on if you think they would enjoy it if you have a grandma or grandpa or our grandma and you want to be interviewed feel free to write an email or contact us over social media on all platforms it's stories your granny never told on instagram facebook twitter also dot com and at gmail.com the background music is the maple leaf rag by the new orleans rhythm kings my granny tip this month is to stay safe and plant a garden and tend to your garden whatever that means to you it can be a dying basil plant on the windowsill of your dark dark new york apartment or it can be you know an app with a little plant in it i don't know i feel like plants help keep people sane see you next month with another episode of stories your granny never told bye